Good morning. Some translations call them governor. Other translations, I, I guess more accurately, call them the procurator. Felix was the, the Roman governor from about 52 to 50, uh, 
seven. And, and he, was, he was only six years period. Yeah, or 52 to 59 AD. Um, his wife was Drusilla. He has, this is like a soap opera. I mean, Felix was a slave. He was given his freedom, then got citizenship, then got appointed by Caesar to be governor of Judea. Probably not such a great job. He's you know, sort of sent to the hinterlands. But, um, you know, it, it was, I don't know, second or third marriage for Drusilla. Second for her, third for him. Yeah, and she was a sister to Herod Agrippa II. So she was in the Herod family. So he was a former slave now connected to a royalty. Um, anyhow, um, not well liked, which will come up again. Uh, by the people there. It, at one point, they even sent a delegation from Judea to Rome to ask Caesar to kick him out and give us somebody else. Um, and he finally leaves at about 59. The next one is, and this pen is not good, Festus. Try the other one. Portius Festus. Uh, He was uh, governor for either two or three years, died in office. Um, so he, he comes up a little later when, when he replaces uh, Felix while Paul is there in prison in, in Caesarea. Uh, Festus and his consort, Bernice, who was his sister. You think he's Griffin? Again, I'm sorry, uh, I shouldn't interrupt. Oh, Bern, you're right. Okay, okay. That's, yeah, that's Agrippa and Bernice. Um, so Festus becomes the governor, and, and uh, yeah, then the other character who's in all of this is King Agrippa II and his consort Bernice, who is his sister. Right. And I think. Jo Josephus repeats the rumor that that um, there's some hanky panky going on there as well. That that uh, Agrippa and his sister may, may have been uh, not such nice folks. King King Agrippa of what? King of what? Part of Palestine. Agrippa II was the great-grandson of Herod the Great. And that lineage of, of rulers that Rome allowed to be uh, rulers of Palestine did not do well. They were very inefficient. They were just not good. And Rome kept dividing up the kingdom into little pieces and instead of Herod the Great had a huge area, but 
his son's grandson's great grandson got kept getting smaller and smaller. So I, I don't know if Herod the Agrippa II had much more than just Judea or not. And it's not clear to me and not clear in reading how was rule divided between the governor and the king. Um, I think it wasn't really clear. Uh, well, they usually didn't like each other. And yeah, Festus had Judea, and then Agrippa yes. has Galilee, Transjordan. Oh, okay. So he's he's, so he's got, got he's got this section here. Yeah. Festus has Judea because that is the only thing that Rome, the Romans care about, because the Via Mara is in Judea. Yeah. Which is the main way we gets to Rome. Yeah. And so Festus with the army sits across that. And that's where uh, Caesarea Maritima is. Hmm. If you go up on the coast, that's where Festus lives. Yeah. And he and more importantly, he has the troops. Yeah. Agrippa was not Agrippa was limited to eighteen hundred troops. Uh, and they had to have swords shorter than the Roman swords. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it's just. That's how the Romans. <laughs> literally, if if you had a sword longer than a Roman sword, they cut your head off. Yeah. Because so, that, that's the law. Well, that'd be an incentive to me. Yeah, sure, sure. It's. I mean, it's that sort of humor that that just makes this crazy. Yep. So anyhow, chapter twenty-four. These names will all come up again. Um, e easiest is, let me just read. And after five days, so at the end of 23, Paul has been taken with a big, was it 300 and some troops to, 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 uh, to Caesarea. So after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and spokesmen and one Tertullus, they laid before the governor their case against Paul, and when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, Reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. I, I wish I could, I, I'm, I'm not a good um, dramatic reader, but this is just. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague or some places call him a pest. Uh, the Greek word is loimus, which just sounds, we found this man on loimus. <laughs> One who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. So, 
There's none in the room, I guess. This guy is a lawyer par excellence. <laughs> the Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. So you can see all the, the high priest and all his buddies are going, yeah, 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 yeah. You got I, it right. It was so fun. They hate Felix. I know. They hate Felix. They've already sent the guys to Nero to get him removed. And they're just here going like, you're the greatest. You're doing such a good job. So you appreciate Luke has really has a sense of humor. And I, I didn't go back to find this, but I'm told that in the Greek text of Tertullus's little speech here, four verses or so, there's a glaring grammatical error that Luke would not have made. But since Tertullus made the error, Luke included it, just to make it even worse. So, um, <coughs> and in this legal setting now it says, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied. So, we were now um, 57 AD-ish. Paul is in the governor's quarters or courtroom or whatever it is in Caesarea. And beginning here in verse 10, uh, this is Paul's speech that we want to look at. And I'm trying to move quickly so I give Kent lots of time as well. Paul says, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. So he didn't try to butter up Felix like Tertullus did. And then Paul says, you can verify. And if you look at the wording there, it's the same as Tertullus had told Felix, you know, this guy is so bad, you can, you can verify, or this translation says, you can find out what he did. So Paul is saying, yeah, you can verify. That it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, so, Tertullus is calling them the sect of the Nazarenes. Paul is taking this more traditional term that they were using, that the, the Christians were using themselves, the way, which they call a sect. I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, 
that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So that phrase itself puts Paul squarely with the Pharisees and in opposition to the, the high priest and his Sadducee friends. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God, toward both God and man. And now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, that is from, from, from Ephesus, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrong they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. So Paul takes in this text a, a few verses to sort of get the background history straight. You know, it, it's like saying, my goodness, I, I was only there less than two weeks. And not doing anything. How could I come up with a riot? Yeah, yeah. It, there, there were no riots. It, it's these people. And then he explains pretty clearly that his beliefs are the same God as all the rest of them. Um, the, the worshiping the God of our fathers. Um, Felix, since he was married to Drusilla, which was, who was sort of Jewish, um, it says Felix having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, so he, he was familiar. He'd been around for a few years in Judea and knew, knew what was going on with the Jews. And so he puts things off. When, when Lysias the Tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Lysias was the one who wrote the letter that you talked about last week, right? Uh, then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. And I think it's interesting in, in looking at the way Luke puts this together. The, the next paragraph says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul 
and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. So Luke, in this instance, tells us what Paul was preaching. But it's not a quotation of what Paul said. He's just sort of summarizing. And, and someone that I was reading said, oh my goodness, if, if he talked to Felix and Drusilla about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, they are not going to be comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it would be like a sharp stick. I mean, it, it should, if they were listening, should be fairly disturbing, I would think, to them. And Felix keeps him there for two years, talks to him frequently, hoping that Paul will offer him some money. So it, it, obviously Felix knew about the collection and, and that Paul had brought, and, and Someone I was reading recently was talking about the size of this collection it is really unknown, but it must have been significant. And Paul had a whole entourage of people to sort of protect him and make sure he didn't get robbed. But um, I'm sure Felix thought, well, if he can bring that much money as a gift to the poor of Judea, he can certainly help me. Uh, questions, comments before I sit down and. Okay. Well, thank you, Leland. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to take a minute to talk about this guy, Felix. Um, he uh, was the first, as we said, the first slave to become a governor. And think about what that might be. A person who doesn't have personal rights now is in charge. I'm thinking back of the time when the Christians were persecuted in the early history of the church. And after 300 or so, when Constantine came along, the Christians were in charge. And now they started persecuting the pagans. I mean, when somebody who has been persecuted and didn't have rights becomes the boss, the same sin problem murders, doesn't it? And so anyway, his brother Pallas was a favorite of Nero. Three politically common marriages at this time, Drusilla, daughter of Agrippa I, um, it was her second marriage. She got married at 15. He stole her at 16. And uh, her father was the one that uh, killed the Apostle James. Her grandfather is the one that pointed the, uh, that uh, John the Baptist pointed the finger to. And uh, he killed her, uh, her grandfather killed John the Baptist. I mean, and, and like Leland said, and it talks about how they were aware of the of the way, okay. So anyway, it is like he said, it's like a, it's very confusing. It's like a um, soap opera, as he said. I like what uh, Tactus, the Roman historian, said. He exercised the prerogatives of a king with the spirit of a slave. Interesting. Uh, he was recalled to Rome by Nero from complaints from the Jews, and it was encouraging to read. He he would, they complained that he encouraged bandits, and he would, 
he would peel off some of the money that the bandits got for himself. And so it's just amazing. And, and as Leland read that, I wanted to, I wanted to stand up at every phrase and uh, kind of express what I've written here. You know, this speech from this attorney uh, is 56 words before he talks. 56 words of blowing smoke. Um, since we have, uh, through Europe, attained much peace, he's lying. And since by your province reforms are being carried out for the nation, he's lying. We acknowledge this in every way, everywhere, he's lying. Most excellent Flex, Felix, he's lying. With all thankfulness, he's really lying. But that I may not weary you any further, I beg you, grant. I mean, 56 words before he even has his case. And notice there is a parenthesis in some of our translations, latter part of, middle part of verse 6, 7, and first part of 8. This parenthesis here. We wanted to judge him according to our own law, but Lysidius, the commander, came along and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. That's a lie. Remember, Paul wasn't doing anything crazy. The Jews started a riot. The governor, the, the policemen came and protected him. They didn't cause a riot with much force. They protected him. Lie, lie, lie. Bowen spoke the whole time. Fast forward verse 10. So we have the contrast between 56 words of buttering up and blowing smoke at this guy to Paul in verse 10. Paul doesn't do any lying. He just tells the truth. He just says in 18 words, knowing that for many years you have been the judge of the nation, I certainly make, I cheerfully make my defense. Very credible, very honorable. He isn't going to lie. He isn't going to butter this guy up. I just think the contrast is really amazing to me. I'm reminded of, remember the parable Jesus told about the five-talent man, the two-talent man, one-talent man. The five-talent man comes back and very briefly says, here are your five talents and here are five more. The two-talent man, here are your two talents you gave me and here are two more. It doesn't take many words to explain the truth. The man who had one talent comes back and he's like 35 words saying, I knew you were a hard man. And, you know, it doesn't take many words to tell the truth. It takes a lot of words sometimes if you want to blow smoke. Our Debbie's not here, so I'll say something I shouldn't say. Okay? Um, I have a friend who says, blowing smoke up her dress. You know. <laughs> okay? Paul is not blowing smoke up anybody's dress. Okay? So Debbie, if you hear this, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Felix and Drusilla are classic examples of um, almost. And when we get into chapter 26, 26 and 26, it should say 25 and 26, somebody typed that wrong today. That word almost is a very, very emotion-laden word. We, we were one point behind. We had five seconds. And we shot a hail near to stop. And it hit the rim and bounced off. We almost won. The person who was uh, sentenced to death, death was almost saved. You know, it's like that is such a significant word. And we're going to see when, we, uh, when, when Festus kind of gets Agrippa into the mix. And, uh, but anyway, Paul comes, and, and we're told here that Felix thinks Paul is going to give him a, 
you know, little money under the table. And Paul talks about self-righteousness. And, uh, and they were squirming. He didn't do what John the Baptist did to her uh, grandfather, right? He didn't point fingers at him. The way you're living is wrong. But he talked to him about righteousness and judgment and self-control. That's a subject that people who know about the way and are familiar with the way they should be living are not comfortable hearing. Um, so they are convicted. They walk out scared. You know, uh, they know that uh, he's a man of integrity, and I, I appreciate that. So <clears throat> they hadn't anticipated moral obligations in Paul's message. They thought, you know, he was going to help them out and pad their pocket. And Felix's reaction is he's scared. Interesting. He's in charge. And here's this prisoner in chains. And he's the one that's scared. Just like so many other times in the book of Acts, the person on trial has reversed everything. And the accusers, the judges, are now actually on trial. And these jokers that Rome puts in charge, there were all kinds of spies and uh, if somebody didn't do something right, they'd have it in Rome, and the guy would be removed, <laughs> you know? And uh, so it's, it's interesting that these Yahoos are in charge of everything. And then we get, we get the, the kings who, I had forgotten if I knew this, I was studying this week, I was telling the Cleveland earlier this week, they were in charge of appointing the high priest. And so this was such a rancid, awful political terrible mess. And um, so things, things are kind of bad and Paul is a man of integrity if you look at that. Uh, I don't know how much time we have left. I bet you like over the floor. And we have any time left? No, we have seven minutes. Wonderful. That's a long time, isn't it? Um, so any thoughts here? Um, it's interesting how Paul uh, again addresses what he needs to address and uh, he's not going to get waylaid by Felix or Festus and uh, Agrippa, he's headed for Rome, and so he's not going to waste time. He's not going to get in a, you know, a rat's nest here. What thoughts do you have? I mean, it's interesting to think about the fact that, so Paul lives for three years-ish okay. in Caesarea, and he's under house arrest, so he's not, he's not in prison. True. You can just imagine him how much he's building the church up and strengthening the church <laughs> in Caesarea. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, basically he's there. He can't, so you know everyone knows where he's at. It's a small country. People are just flowing down there and seeing him, and the church is just growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, and you see what he did in Corinth for three years, and Ephesus for three years. Yes, now he's he was in Caesarea for three years. And, and Felix is doing the Jews a favor by at least keeping him locked up, quote, locked up, but... He lets him come in and have company. And uh, so Felix is kind of thinking about his own pocket again. But good point, yeah. He's no doubt receiving all kinds of people, getting all kinds of encouragement from Paul, the prisoner. And uh, that's great. Also remember, Paul's a Roman citizen. Right. The Jews are not. That is true. And so he's, he's, he's got protection. He's balancing this thing of, man, if I harm a Roman citizen, I lose my job. And more importantly, Paul was born a Roman citizen. Yes. Felix essentially bought his. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. And his wife is from when when he when he asked he asked where are you from? He says not Sicily, but uh, but anyway, where are you from? And he says one word, and it, that's where his Drusilla is from. And so they've heard of him. They have heard of uh, Paul, Saul Paul. They've heard of him. And you know, in Paul's first speech, he talks about how he is honoring the God, the same God that these folks have honored. Um, and he uh, he says, I'm, I was like them. I was under commission of the high priest. And the high priest is there at this first feast, this first trial. High priest is there. He said, I was like them. I was under, I was under authority of the high priest to go collect people, men and women, and put them in prison. I went from house to house. We talked about that the other day. How the, in Ephesus, he talked about how he went house to house teaching them. And, um, so he said, I was like them, and they know it. Something like warning. Um, so they know that uh, he was that way, and they know that he used to be in their camp. And Felix, you know this situation. You know I used to be just like these people. They're accusing me of these things that aren't even true. They don't even bring the people who say they could be witnesses. They don't even bring them. They just have this hearsay. Mm -hmm. um, so, you wish that you knew what the reaction was of the people who had brought the charges in the first place. Because this couldn't have been the result they were hoping for. <laughs> in fact, they wanted, hey, you know, let's, let's take him back to Jerusalem and we'll judge him there in our own courts. Well, they would have ambushed him again. He would have never made it. But in, in two years, when, when Festus comes, there, in the next chapter, there's, there's the comment of that the high priest and these guys were still. Well, let's come back to it. You know, bring him back to Jerusalem so that we can ambush him on the road and kill him. And what was it you were telling me? Some someone wrote. <laughs> I mean, two years later, these guys were obviously angry and hungry. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they made a vow not to. Vow not to. Not a That's right. So, so I don't think they put a vow on it this time, but they were requesting in chapter twenty-five. That's right. They were requesting, hey, bring him back to Jerusalem. It's our matter. We'll take care of it. Yeah. And they would have ambushed him. A bunch of skinny guys looking for Paul. A man skinny guys. It, it, it struck me that uh, uh, by leaving Paul in, in Caesarea. Fox was in the chicken in the chicken coop because everybody had to come through Caesarea if they came by boat. That's the port, and it was a, a very you know if you, you, you go to Caesarea now you see the, the warehouses and so there were a whole lot of sailors and a whole lot of people coming. Oh, commerce. So Paul had pretty much free reign to uh, yeah. work his magic. Wonderful, wonderful. That is just great. God's providence is so. interesting this is a little bit after uh, uh, a couple of years ago I was early in the morning I, I wanted to see where Paul was imprisoned in Rome oh and so I, I kind of tracked that down so I got up in the morning and walked up through there and I walked up 
church there. There's an old church there. And they have pictures. They have Paul's quote, actual chains. Well, I have to take a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, the archaeologists that I was took quite and said, Paul, those chains going to fuck up. They didn't have chains like that. At any rate, that's uh, a great story, write, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> N.C. Wright talks about in Rome. He, he was there one time, and there was this big pillar that used to have one of the Caesars on top. And he said, now you go, it's not Caesar. It's Paul. Um, on that big pillar. You know, yeah. That is cool. Thank you. Well, uh, next week. So next week, we'll, we'll go, per the schedule, into chapter 26. Okay. And we'll do Paul's defense before Agrippa. So it's a, and his sister a little wife. bit different than, yeah, and his, I call her consort. Okay. But, um, <laughs> That's more respectful. Yeah. So, um, We'll, we'll see the difference between his defense before Felix and and, and, uh, and now the defense before Agrippa. Agrippa. And thank you, everybody. Uh -huh.